it didn't take me long growing up to realize that there were blessings for obedience and definite drawbacks for disobedience. And the main drawback was pain. I learned that growing up. Blessings for obedience, definite drawbacks for disobedience. And the awareness that there were blessings for obeying my parents and consequences for disobeying my parents became motivators to want to do what my parents asked me to do. Well, I want you to know that God has some expectations for us some commandments, some ways he wants us to live our lives, especially in the light of eternity. And there are some definite blessings for obedience and some definite drawbacks for disobedience. And I want us to consider this as we look in the book of Revelation. So turn with me to the last chapter of the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22. We are continuing our summer sermon series. Uh, The title of this series is The Seven Blessings of Revelation, and there are seven blessings pronounced by God scattered throughout this book, and we've come to blessing number six. So next week, Lord willing, we will wrap up this series and look at the last blessing. You don't want to miss next week, by the way. But look with me in Revelation chapter 22, verse 7. I want to ask you today if you are physically able to please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. Great to see you here uh, this morning. You glad to be here this morning? Amen. I want you to know that I don't tell you this nearly enough, but I want you to know that it is a great privilege to be your pastor. It really is. I love you all dearly, and I'm grateful that God lets me do this. And so, let's look together. Revelation chapter 22, verse 7. The Bible says, And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Let's pray. Father... We pause to give you the glory that you so richly deserve. The glory that you exclusively deserve. We pause to praise your matchless name. We praise to lift you up in this moment because you are our only hope. We're grateful today for your presence We're grateful today for the power of the Spirit that works among us. And Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts. As we study your word, Lord, help us to understand the truths of Scripture. and Help us to understand them in such a way that we will take those truths and apply them to our lives. Have your way in our midst. Lord, I ask you to establish my steps today in your word. And we ask and pray all of this In the strong name of Jesus, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Well, as I just mentioned, 
There are seven blessings scattered throughout the book of Revelation, and we have made it to blessing number six. And what we've tried to do as we've gotten to each blessing is try to step back, if you will, and look at the big picture of what's happening in the book of Revelation. Now, you've heard me say that I believe that most of the book of Revelation, really starting in chapter 4 through the end of the book, deals with future events, events that have not yet happened, future to us, things that are going to happen in the future. And the Bible gives us some detail concerning the events of the end times. What's going to happen when God ushers in the end of all things? And there are some major events that the Bible uh, speaks of. Now, there are some differences of views concerning the exact ordering of these events, but uh, whether uh, people uh, split hairs about the order does not negate the fact that these events are going to happen. And so I want to just kind of walk you through the major events of the end times of what's transpired here in the book of Revelation in terms of, of prophecy, and then taking this verse and applying it to the overall context. First of all, a large portion of the book of Revelation deals with a seven-year period called the Great Tribulation. There's a time coming in the future where God will pour out His wrath upon the ungodly upon this earth, and it will be a time of great devastation, a time of great destruction. And the Bible speaks of this tribulation period in detail. We also know that during this unfolding of the end times, there will be a a gathering of God's people. Christ will gather all of his people. Some will that are alive on the earth will be caught up in the air with him. They will be raptured. Some who are dead in Christ, those that have died in the Lord, will be resurrected and gathered unto Jesus. We talked about the first resurrection last week and how important it is that we are in the first resurrection, not the second resurrection. And so there will be a time, and again, there's debate over the exact order of everything, but there will be a time when Christ gathers all of his people. He returns and gathers everyone together. We also know that uh, there will be a, a great battle that is fought at that time. Christ will come back and there will be a great uh, army, ungodly army, that has been massed against God and the things of God. And Christ will come back at the end of this tribulation period. He will gather all of his people and he will soundly and quickly defeat this great army. The Bible says there's a sword coming out of his mouth. He'll simply speak and the battle will be over. You can read about that over in Revelation chapter 19. And then we're told that after this great battle, there will be a 1,000 year period of perfect peace upon the earth. Uh, some call that the millennial reign of Christ. And the Bible tells us that if we are Christians, if we are followers of his, we will reign with him, serve him during that 1,000-year period of peace. At the end of the 1,000 years, Satan, who had been bound for that 1,000 years, will be let loose by the Lord. We, you say, wait, why is that going to happen? We don't know why God does that, but God ha- decides that Satan will be let loose for uh, a short time period. He will lead many astray. And at the end of that time period, there will be a second resurrection. Again, Christ will defeat all of his enemies that have, again, massed against him at the end of that 1,000-year reign. And after that, there will be a second resurrection. Those who are unsaved will be brought up out of their graves, and they will stand before the great white throne of judgment. And they will be judged according to their deeds that are recorded in a book. 
Everything that anyone's ever done is recorded in a book. And the only way to be saved is for all those things in that book to be blotted out by the blood of Jesus, to be saved by Jesus. But if someone is not saved on that day, they will stand before the great white throne of judgment. The Bible says they will be cast into an eternal lake of fire. They will be cast into hell at that time. And after the great white throne of judgment, starting in Revelation chapter 21, we see that God will usher in a new heaven and a new earth. And it will be in that new heaven and new earth that God's people live forever in the presence of the Lord. That is the eternal state of those that know Jesus Christ. And that eternal state is described in detail in Revelation 21 and Revelation chapter 22. So all of those events have been... Uh, pointed to throughout the book of Revelation. Then, at the end of chapter 22, it's as if uh, the book is coming to a close and the Lord wants to make some closing statements in light of all of these events that are sure to come in the future. And that's when we see it says, Behold, I'm coming soon, Jesus talking. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. In other words, Jesus is saying here, you need to take these words seriously and need to to adjust your life to live in light of these events which are sure to come. That is the sixth blessing. Blessed are those who keep the words of this book. Now, when we read that verse, if you've been here for the entire sermon series, surely you heard echoes of the first blessing. The first blessing in this book is found in Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. And it says, blessed are those who read these words aloud, and blessed are those who hear these words, and blessed are those who keep these words, who who hear it and who obey it. There's a blessing pronounced on obedience in the very first chapter of this book, and again, there are echoes of that first blessing here in verse 7. Blessed is the one who keeps, who obeys the words of the prophecy of this book. Now, it's interesting to note that at the beginning of Revelation chapter 1, And in the last chapter, chapter 22, there's an emphasis on God's people obeying the words of this book. And see, that's where a lot of people get Revelation wrong. A lot of people think that Revelation is merely a knowing book. I want to have my curiosity about the end times satisfied. So I want to know all the, I want to know what every horn on the head of the beast represents. And, and, and I want to have my curiosity satisfied about the end times scenario. And there's certainly an aspect of Revelation that satisfies our curiosity and helps us understand what the end times will be like. But if you don't approach Revelation as an obedience book, you're missing the point. Revelation is not just full of a bunch of interesting things for us to learn. There are some, some commands, some principles, some precepts that God intends to influence your life, and my life too. So it's an obedience book, it's a, it's a doing book. I love this quote from Dr. Kendall Easley. He writes, Revelation both opens and closes with promises of blessings to those who heed its teachings, not to those who intellectually decipher its prophetic landscapes. The blessing is not for those that understand what every horn on the head of the beast means. The blessing is for those that obey the commands and principles of this book. Got it? That's important. 
It's not a knowledge book, even though there is knowledge we glean. It is an obedience book, a book we are to keep. So what I want to do is, based upon this blessing found in Revelation 22.7, I want to give you two thoughts about obedience. Two thoughts about obeying the book of Revelation. And these would apply to uh, obedience to all of God's commands as well. But two thoughts about obedience. First of all, I want you to see that there are mandates to obey. Mandates to obey. Look what he says in verse 7. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. The one who obeys what he hears, obeys what he learns. There are definitely some things that God wants you to do in relation to our study of the end times. There are some things God wants me to do in relation to my study of the end times. So what are the words of this book that we need to keep? What are the specific commands that we are to obey? Well, you can sum up the commandments of this book under three headings. I'm giving you some summary statements that I believe encapsulate the overall emphasis of the book of Revelation. Here's the first summary of the commandments of this book. Ready? Be ready. Be ready. If you read the book of Revelation and you don't see your need to to get ready, then you've missed the point of the book. When you read this book, you ought to think, okay, there are some things coming, some things that are hard to understand, but there are some things definitely coming, and I need to be ready for those things. So, how do you ready yourself for the end times? How do you ready yourself for the great tribulation and... The, the second coming of Christ and the gathering of God's people and the first resurrection, the millennial reign and the second resurrection, the great white throne and the eternal state of everyone. How do, you, how do you ready yourself for all of that? Well, to be ready, first of all, you must be saved from your sins. To be ready, you must be saved from your sins. Look what it says over in Revelation chapter 20. Verse 15. The Bible says, If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So, let me just tell you, on the authority of God's word, you don't want to be thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is eternal torment, destruction, separation from God. You don't want to be thrown into the lake of fire. And the Bible says... If you don't want to be thrown in the lake of fire, your name needs to be written in the book of life. And so the question becomes, okay, Wade, how do I get my name in that book? Well, let me show you another verse over in chapter 21 that gives us some more information about this book. Revelation 21, verse 22. He's speaking here of the new heavens and the new earth. And he says, I saw no temple in the city, the new Jerusalem. For its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. Talking of Jesus Christ, who shed his blood as a sacrificial lamb in our place. He died on the cross for us. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing, listen, nothing ever clean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, 
but only those who are written in the, watch this, Lamb's book of life. The book of life mentioned in chapter 20 is the Lamb's book. In other words, you only get in that book if you know the Lamb. You only get in that book if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Because see, it says nothing will enter the the new Jerusalem that is detestable or false. That's a problem because I've done some detestable things in my life. How about you? I've lived a duplicitous life sometimes. I've, I've lived by falsehood. I've lied. How about you? And so if no one can enter the city that's done something detestable or false, we're all in trouble unless those detestable things have been forgiven. And the only way to have those sins that you and I have committed forgiven is to embrace Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior by faith. You see, Jesus Christ came to earth to forgive your sins. He came to die on the cross in your place and my place. He, he died on the cross taking our sin on himself and paying the penalty, taking the punishment that you and I deserve. And after he died on the cross, he was buried, he rose from the grave, and he's alive today. And if anyone places their faith in him, he will apply his shed blood to their spiritual account and wash away their sins and write their name in his book of life. And if your name is in his book of life, you're not thrown into the lake of fire. So if you read the book of Revelation, you ought to think, I need to be ready. The major way to be ready is to be saved. To know for sure that if you were to die, you would spend eternity with the Lord because Jesus Christ has saved you from your sins. There's another way we need to be ready. Not only do we need to be ready by being saved from our sins, we need to be ready by being watchful. Look what it says in Revelation 22. Verse 7, Behold, I am coming soon. In other words, you need to be on the alert for these these end times events to begin to unfold. You need to be be watchful. One of the blessings of of the book of Revelation, one of the seven blessings is we need to be on the alert. Blessed are those who stay awake. Blessed are those, Revelation 16, 15, blessed are those who are alert and watchful, looking for these times, living their lives in light of the end times. To be ready, you must be watchful. Listen to me. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the end times should not sneak up on you. You should not be floored when these things begin to happen. You should not be floored if these things begin to happen today. Because... God could choose to usher in the end of all things anytime he pleases. So we shouldn't be surprised. We should be ready. We should be alert. We should be watchful. We should be adjusting our lives to make a difference with the life that God gives us. To make a difference with the time God has given us on this earth. You know, our our nation has a series of alerts. And if there is danger on the horizon, there's precedent for the alert level to be raised so that people are just a little bit more alert, a little bit more watchful. And if things get even more precarious, the the alert level goes to the, the next phase and the next. Do you know what the church of Jesus Christ needs today? We need to raise the alert level. 
we're just kind of bouncing around through life, just trying to keep our head above water, just kind of doing our thing, trying to make it to the weekend, and we're not living with gospel intentionality to make a difference with our lives, to understand that God could usher in these events anytime he wants to, and we need to be ready. We need to be on the alert. And so there's some mandates to obey. I think the first mandate is to be ready. If you don't get that from reading the book of Revelation, go back and read it again. We need to be ready. Number two, another mandate, another summary mandate for us to obey is this. Persevere. Persevere. Look over in Revelation chapter 1 with me. First chapter. I'm going to show you how the Apostle John describes himself. Revelation chapter 1, verse 9. The Lord appeared to John and gave him these four visions that he recorded. We know them as the book of Revelation. And John wrote these visions down and sent them to churches throughout first century Asia Minor. Look what he says about himself in Revelation chapter 1, verse 9. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. In other words, he's saying, I'm your brother and partner. He said, I can relate to you in that following Jesus is going to mean tribulation. And as we seek to expand his kingdom, it's going to call for patient endurance. And all throughout the book of Revelation, we see God calling his people to endure for the sake of Christ. As a matter of fact, over in Revelation chapter 14, look what it says in verse 12. Revelation 14 verse 12. Here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, we're never promised that following Jesus is going to make life easier. As a matter of fact, following Jesus usually makes life more difficult. Now, you won't have a TV preacher tell you that. They're going to tell you that if you follow Jesus, you'll get the promotion at your workplace, that you'll get a new vehicle and a new place to live and, and a new, you know, more money in your account. And they'll tell you all these upgrades you're going to get if you follow Jesus. Well, tell the Apostle Paul that. Apostle Paul lost everything when he followed Jesus. Matter of fact, he said, I, I learned that, 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 that he could give me contentment even if I was hungry or thirsty or shipwrecked or whatever. I learned that Christ would keep me content and use me, but I learned it wasn't going to be easy. And if you're going to follow Jesus faithfully in this life, you need to be ready to endure. You need to be ready to keep on keeping on. You need to be ready to to go through hardship. And, And here's what he's saying. Don't throw in the towel. Persevere. When the going gets tough because of your relationship with Christ, keep on following him faithfully. Don't give up. Persevere. You see, God calls his people to hold on to his promises. Resist the temptation to compromise and to live faithfully until the end. That's what he calls us to. And so your your mandate and my mandate from Revelation is this. Be a Christian that perseveres through the difficulty that is sure to come. And you say, Wade, it's hard to persevere sometimes. How does Revelation help me? 
Revelation reminds me, listen, that it's all worth it because we win. Right? Or better yet, Jesus wins and we're on his side. (laughs) And so that reminder of the ultimate victory of Christ is meant as an impetus to keep you in the game. To help you to persevere and endure when the going gets tough. But you've got to cling to those promises of victory that are found in the book. I read a story about a couple that was scalloping in the Gulf of Mexico just off the coast of Florida. And the story hit close to home because my family this past week was out on a boat on the Gulf of Mexico scalloping. There are certain times of the year when you can go out on the Gulf and in shallow water you can snorkel and scallops there on the way. You just pick them up and put them on a bag and clean them and eat them fresh. I mean, it's wonderful, all right? But there's this couple that was out just out of Newport Ritchie. And they were scalloping, and the husband and wife were both outside of the boat doing their thing. And the husband looked up, and the boat had kind of drifted away. I don't know if the anchor came loose or what, but the husband swam over to the boat and got in it, cranked it up, and came back over to where his wife was, and he could not find her. She had drifted away in the currents. And he immediately called the authorities, and they began a massive search uh, for this lady who was adrift in the Gulf of Mexico. They could not find her before dark. Well, early the next morning, about 12, 13 hours later, a boat was looking for her and they saw her in the water and lifted her out of the water and she was saved from her predicament. But here's how she survived. She was adrift at sea and she noticed a piece of large PVC pipe bobbing in the water. So she went to this PVC pipe and she wrapped her legs and arms around it and just held on for dear life. And that PVC pipe kept her afloat as she drifted throughout the night. She was safe. She said she had some some stings from jellyfish, but she made it through. Can you imagine drifting through the Gulf of Mexico when it's pitch black all around? But she was saved, listen, because she clung to that pipe. The, The man that rescued her said if she wouldn't have found that PVC pipe, there's no way she would have lived. And I thought, what an illustration of perseverance. The reason she was able to persevere, the reason she was able to endure is because she had something to hold on to, right? And the book of Revelation is full of ultimate promises that God wants us to hold on to so that we can endure through the hardships and the trials of life. That's a mandate to obey. Be saved, be ready, and persevere as a believer. But let me give you a final A final commandment that is ours to obey. We're encouraged to be ready. We're encouraged to persevere. But third, we're encouraged to be a witness. To be a witness. Over in Revelation chapter 12, the Bible says that that there are people on the earth during the tribulation that conquer the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. They bear witness for Christ and they win a great victory on this earth. And... We are called to bear witness just like those martyrs bore witness for Christ. As a matter of fact, over in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus gives the marching orders for the church. These are your marching orders. These are my marching orders. He said, after the Spirit comes upon you, the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. In other words, Jesus wants his church to bear witness of the good news about Jesus. That's what he's called to do. And so 
The book of Revelation is an encouragement to be a witness for Christ. You know, if there were a a trial that a courtroom trial that called for witnesses, you know what that looks like. You've seen it maybe on TV or been in a real courtroom yourself, but they they call a person forward and they put their hand on the Bible and they swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And they get on that witness stand and they're asked questions and they are to answer those questions truthfully and they're be, to be a witness of their experience concerning the situation. A witness of what they've seen. A, a witness of what they've heard. A, a witness of what they've encountered. They're just to tell the truth. Well, that's what it means to be a Christian. Did you know that the Lord wants us to tell the truth? The whole truth? And nothing but the truth? He wants us to bear witness to a lost and dying world who Jesus really is. And what Jesus Christ has really done. And the difference Jesus Christ has made in our lives. And we are to be witness bearers to the reality, to the grace, to the saving power, to the amazing love of Christ. And the book of Revelation reminds us of this call to witness, this call to make Christ known. And so overall... Speaking in a, in a summary fashion, there are some mandates for us to obey. Be ready. Persevere. Bear witness. And the Bible said, blessed is the one who keeps the words of these books. Blessed is the one who takes these things seriously. But not only are there some mandates to obey in the book of Revelation, I believe there are some motivations to obey. Look back with me in Revelation 22. I want to talk to you for a moment about some, some motivations to obey the Lord. Very quickly. And there are three of them here in your notes. Number one, the first motivation is truth. Truth. Look what it says in Revelation 22, verse 6. He said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And so John, who's recording these visions and about to send them out to the churches, is reminded that these words are absolutely true. And the, the veracity of these words, the truthfulness of these words, are meant to motivate John to say, these words are important. It's important that we read them. It's important that we heed them. It's important that we obey them because they are true and trustworthy. Our world is full of falsehood, isn't it? Full of falsehood. False messages, false worldviews, false promises. There's so much falsehood in our culture. You know what our culture needs? Our culture needs truth. And these words are truth about eternity. About how everything's going to turn out. About the eternal destiny of those who do not know Christ. And the eternal destiny of those that do know Christ. Truth! What better motivation to obey these words and to know that these words are truth? They're trustworthy. They're not false. We can, listen, build our lives on these words because they are words of absolute truth. 
and all other ground is sinking sand. Another motivation to obey is urgency. Urgency. Look what the Bible says there in verse 7. This is Jesus talking. Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. In other words, you're a day closer to these events than you were yesterday. So live like it. Obey. Take these words seriously. Be ready. Persevere. Be a witness. Because Christ is coming soon. Look what it says in verse 10 of the same chapter. He said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoers still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Live a holy life. Live for the glory of Christ. Time is short. And the one thing the book of Revelation does for all of our lives, if we take it seriously, is it gives us a greater urgency in living for Christ. And there's a third motivation to obey. It's the motivation of blessing. I learned growing up that when I obeyed, blessing came with that obedience. And so what are the blessings that come along with obeying the words of this book? Well, let me give you at least three. Number one, the blessing of a life that matters. The blessing of a life that matters. He mentions there in verse 11, doing the right thing, being holy, living a life that points people to Jesus Christ, living a life that glorifies and honors the Lord. If you, listen, if you will obey these words, if you'll be ready, saved and spiritually alert, persevere in your faith, be a witness for Christ, your life will count. But if you ignore the words of this book, you will live a wasted life. And who wants to live a wasted life? You stand before the Lord one day. What kind of account are you going to give him for your life? Well, I, I was a big fan of reality television, God. What account are you going to give God? Hopefully, you and I will live in such a way that when we stand before Christ on that day, we can give an account of a faithful life. Because we took these words seriously and lived our lives in light of eternity, in light of the end times that are sure to come. The blessing of a life that matters. Listen, do you want your life to count? Take Revelation seriously. Number two, the blessings of God's commendation. Look what it says in verse 12. Jesus says, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. Now, That means if someone has ignored Christ and their name is not found in the book of life, they will pay for their sins for eternity in that awful lake of fire. But it also means positively that if we have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, our name is in the book of life and we faithfully serve Jesus, he will reward us for those things we have done for his glory. And doesn't that motivate you? Listen to me, come in close for a second. When you stand before Christ, don't you want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant? Do you really want to hear that? Obey God's commandments. And you can have the blessing of God's commendation. 
I tell you, one of the, the great blessings of pastoring a church like Longview Point is how encouraging this church is. You are very, very encouraging to me and to our staff. And 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 you make a you make a you make just a just a mediocre preacher feel like Billy Graham because you're so encouraging. And your encouragement, your commendation means a great deal to me when you tell me how God is using something in your life. But listen to me. How much more will God's commendation mean when the Lord says, Well done, good and faithful servant. Don't you want to hear those words on that day? The blessing of God's commendation. And then third, the blessing of hope. The blessing of hope. As we thought about obedience and the mandates to obey and the motivations to obey, a word keeps popping up in chapter 22. I don't know if you noticed the word, but let me, let me show you the word that just keeps surfacing. Look what it says in verse 6. He has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon, everyone say soon, what must soon take place. Look at verse 7. Behold, I am coming, there it is again, Soon, look in verse 12. Behold, I am coming, here it is, soon. Look in verse 20. He who testifies these things says, Surely I am coming soon. You see the emphasis there? Soon, 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 soon. The sure return of Christ should give you and should give me great hope. You know what hope is, biblically speaking? We use the word hope to mean, you know, like I hope so, like cross my fingers, I hope something happens that I want to happen. But that is not the biblical word hope at all. The biblical word hope is the Greek word elpidos, and it means something like confident expectation, oh, this is good, which leads to anticipation. Confident expectation, which leads to anticipation. In other words, we believe the promises of God. We have confidence that the things we've studied in Revelation are going to happen, right? Confidence. Confident expectation. Not cross our fingers, we hope it does. No, we know Christ will return. We know Jesus wins. We know heaven is real. We know hell is real. We know how good it is to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Confident expectation. But what that confident expectation does is it leads to anticipation. You see what he said at the end of this chapter? Look what it says in verse 20. Surely I'm coming soon. And then he says, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. In other words, he's anticipating the return of Christ. He's anticipating these things coming to pass. Confident expectation which leads to Great anticipation. And the hope that is found in Christ is a motivator to serve Christ in the here and now. Because sometimes you feel like giving up, don't you? But the promises of revelation, the realities of the end times won't let us, won't let us give up. For example, you may be asking this question. How long? until the Lord comes back to set everything right. Our world, our society is spiraling downward. How long till Christ comes back to deal with all this mess? The answer? Soon. How long? 
long until I'm reunited with my loved ones that have died in the Lord and gone before me to heaven? How long till I can see them again and experience that great reunion before the throne of God? Soon. How long until I get to see Jesus Christ Not by faith, but by sight. How long till I get to gaze in the face of my Savior? The answer, soon. Hearing, believing, obeying the words of this book gives us great hope. Wait, when's all this going to happen? The only answer I can give you is this. Soon. Soon. Soon.